Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. I'm Tyler Orton, and joining me today is my colleague, Patrick Blennerhassett, here at Business in Vancouver. Patrick, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. So, uh, interesting news going on with regards to taxation here in British Columbia. I think there's a lot of pushback with regards to speculation tax, the so-called speculation tax. So-called, yeah. Because it wasn't really what you'd figure a speculation tax would be which is targeting, say, flipping homes. This is actually more of a a vacant homes tax, similar to what we have city in Vancouver. But essentially, the the government in the budget had said that for people owning second homes that they would not rent out, they were going to be facing this 0.5% tax based on the 2018 assessed value. And then it would jump to 2% uh, beyond that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've changed that a little bit. There will be exemptions for certain regions, uh, like, say, the Gulf Islands, um, like smaller islands, as well as smaller communities within some of the larger regions. Because I think there's a lot of pushback from people with, say, vacation homes, cabins, etc., who all of a sudden they're going to be on the hook for a very sizable tax based on their property assessment. Um, And and even the the level tax taxation is going to be changing. It's going to be at 0.5% and it's not going to jump to that 2% number that we were hearing about earlier. But on this, you're uh, you're from uh, the interior. Yeah. You're from uh, Kelowna. Was this a big issue? Because I know that uh, even the, the municipality Camus. of- Camus. Uh, Oh, Camloops. Don't say that. You'll start a fight, oh, I'm you'll start so a fight up there if you I, say that. <laughs> I'm actually truly embarrassed that I, I totally messed that up there. Uh, but I, I think you- have been probably hearing a lot about this, about a lot of yeah, people yeah. concerned about, say, just vacation homes that would be subject to something like this. Well, I know the the foreign buyers tax, I could be wrong here, it covers Kelowna, but it doesn't ca- cover Kamloops. So that might be another thing that we could sort of chat about. Um, but yeah, the, the vacation home thing is really interesting because if you've ever been to Kelowna, it's like driving through this weird Albertan microcosm, right? There's a lot of Albertans there who own a lot of vacation properties. But there's also a lot of people from BC who own a lot of vacation properties along sort of um, the Okanagan Lake. And these are expensive homes. These aren't sort of cottages. These are multi-million dollar, you know, postmodern architecture homes. So, And they're not renting them when they're, they're not. Uh, none of them are rented out. out. If you've ever gone on Lake Okanagan in the winter, um, it's like a ghost. It's The coastline is basically just like a ghost town. There's nobody there. Do so. a lot of people get robbed in the winter? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that might be a good, if I was a, a burglar, I might think about that. But yeah. if, I, if, if you were a burglar. If, yeah. uh, very important caveat there. But it's funny because it's weird because this is obviously the first concession that the NDP's made on the budget, right? And part of me thinks, like, how did you guys miss some of this stuff? Like, did you not? I'm sure a lot of NDP supporters and NDP, you know, politicians have uh, vacation homes that would get that would fall underneath this. So yeah, and I'll say this: I think a lot of the media, ourselves included, maybe missed that initially as well. And, true. and this is something that really gained steam just in the last few weeks. The budget was released more than a month ago at this point. So yeah, I I I think it was you know, pitched in very much broad terms and they really had not figured out the details. And mm-hmm. so they finally did announce these major changes, but I'm kind of surprised this was a bit of a, a political fumble on the part of the current government. Yeah. And I think obviously I understand what they were trying to do um, with the tax, but I think 
Yeah, it just seems like kind of half-baked because if you're going to start penalizing your own people who have vacation homes, you're penalizing a lot of people who not only have vacation homes, but much like my parents, is that a huge part of their retirement is the home that they own and the mortgage that they paid off and the secondary home that they might have. So to like somehow miss that as part of the economy just is kind of mind boggling. Well, and I was speaking to Jason Turcott. He's a vice president over at Crest Development Group all about this. And he said that, well, what it needs to be, it, it, it should not be retroactive. You know, it should not be applied to people after they've already bought purchases. If people are actually speculating, then apply it to new purchases yeah. that people are making, because then you're going to catch a lot of people who, as you say, like um, they didn't buy into this market with the thought that they were going to be subject to this. That said, I, I mean, look, the whole issue here is like we're trying to free up more living space for British Columbians. We we want to give people, you know, more access to housing. Yeah. Uh, if that means encouraging people or pressuring people to rent out. Uh, and the NDP government also wants to, you know, raise, you know, money to. I think their target is about two hundred million dollars to fund some further housing, as well. I have two hundred million dollars annually through this tax. Yeah. So look, uh, I, I think they want to address the housing affordability crisis that is really ratcheting throughout this entire province. I just wonder if maybe this wasn't the best way to. I guess, uh, roll this out? Yeah. I want to say that there's two schools of economic thought with trying to make housing more affordable. And one is obviously doing what they're doing is freeing up homes and living spaces that are already on the market. The other side of it is quenching supply, which is building more units. And if you've ever, Tyler, I'm sure if you've interviewed a realtor in the last couple of years, they're going to complain about supply issues to the ends of the earth. Obviously, that's a realtor wanting to sell more homes because then they're not basically just selling the same homes over and over. But I do tend to agree with them is that I think housing affordability might be better sort of quenched in this market by supply, by loosening up some of the regulations in the zoning and just allowing the development to kind of fill itself out. Hey, I, I say that, yes, there is an argument for that, but yeah. you have to be careful. I do that. see the other side be totally. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. Because I, I definitely think that, yes, um, there's too much nimbyism going on in yeah. this region and a density is being, you know, um, pushed back hard against by people that, well, frankly, they don't want towers going up in their neighborhoods. And it's kind of like, well, Look, we need to have a balance throughout the region. The only issue is, and I think people need to be careful about this, is um, if you know um, global money is influencing the market and you introduce all this additional supply, what's stopping them from just buying up all this additional supply and keeping prices where they are? There, there needs to be some sort of mechanisms or measures to stop that from happening. True. Although yeah. then you'll get into just bogged down with so many other questions about... Um, just kind of the, the the fairness or legality of that, like what will you only allow people like who are permanent residents or citizens? To buy? Mm -hmm. I don't know. There, there's so many. <laughs> it's it's opening up a real can of worms, but something needs to be done. We're going to continue following this. Stick around with us. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk a little bit about, I guess, more of the uh, the entertainment business news, Patrick. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Allied Accountants and Business Advisors. 
Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott accountants and business advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600, or I'll check them out on their website, manningelliot.ca. So Patrick, uh, I had the chance to uh, write a little bit more about the kind of entertainment industry here in Vancouver. Um, Corner Gas Animated. Uh, Corner Gas, for all those uh, that recall, it's uh, that uh, live-action sitcom, Canadian sitcom. Yeah. It's now getting an animated show. It premieres next week, April 2nd. And it's actually one of the few shows that is yeah, actually has a writer's room here in Vancouver. If you're making a show, a Canadian show, generally it's going to be written in Toronto. I spoke to a sitcom writer here in Vancouver uh, that recently landed a local job uh, writing, uh, working on a pilot for a series that is being produced by Z International Studios, one of the largest broadcasters based in India. They want new global content. She said she was told explicitly, like, if you want a career uh, in writing, you need to either go to LA or go to Toronto. There's not yeah. going to be much of a career for you in Vancouver. Hmm. So we've got the Corner Gas Writers Room going. We've got this Z- new Z pilot that is launching as well. We're waiting for more of these kinds of opportunities to pop up. Um, I know Creative BC, they've launched like some pilots in order to encourage more right, like development of series based here in Vancouver as well. So it is interesting that we do get to see, I, I guess, we're, we're thought of as just kind of a, a service industry with regards to film, but I mm-hmm. think there's more of an emphasis to make it on like the content side as well. We have sort of developed that uh, moniker over the years as being Hollywood North, yeah. right? And that's sort of been mostly, there's always that adage that Vancouver never plays itself in a movie, right? It's always sort of substituting as some other city or or backdrop, but I think that, yeah, this is a good sign. This shows that we're filling out this uh, sector a bit more. Yeah. Right? Well, the curious thing that uh, I came across just writing the story is that, you know, independent films in Canada, Vancouver will, yes, get to uh, play itself because the people, the, the filmmakers here, they're going to be based writing their film here yeah. or, and then producing it here. But it's really like TV is a format where it's really going to be happening in Toronto. I mean, there's a few exceptions. Um mm-hmm. I I was a fan of like Da Vinci's City Hall and uh, Da Vinci's Inquest, um, Intelligence. Those are all written here in BC by uh, Chris Haddock. He's uh, a prolific writer here as well. But those examples are pretty few and far between. So that's why I, I think it is intriguing if we can get more of this development going on locally. Yeah, and I think it's good for the creative economy too, because if you start to develop out more of those jobs like writers' rooms and writers and producers... Um, those are high paying jobs. It's also um, just going to incubate like more, like more shows. Yeah. 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 More yeah. people are going to be like, okay, well, I actually say that there's a bit of infrastructure here to get this going. I, I can have mm-hmm. a career here. Well, if you look at the, like in the studio that right across the street is DHX studios, which is yeah. kind of trying to develop its own kind of marker in the animation industry. Um, you know, it's obviously had mixed success so far. Well, but their financials haven't finan- been great yeah. lately. But I think yeah. it, it does go to show that, you know, I think this is a good sign because we haven't really developed out that creative economy a lot. Um, our tech sector is obviously starting to fill in. But 
you know, we're still sort of giving, getting over that natural resources, mining headquarters mm-hmm. mentality. But the fact that we're going to have a writer's room, like an actual writer's getting paid actual dollars in Vancouver makes me quite happy as, yeah. as an actual published writer. So <laughs> I'd have to give a little plug there. But I think it's good because these are people that contribute to the economy. They rent, they possibly buy. I don't know if, if writers could afford to buy in downtown Vancouver. But like you said, they incubate other projects. You put 10 writers in a room to write a script for corner gas animation three of those guys are going to pinch off and pitch another show yeah and they're going to want to do it in vancouver right so there you go so yeah very exciting times and uh patrick i want to thank you for joining us on the show today thanks for having me well you're listening to the business in vancouver podcast which of course is brought to you by manning elliott accounts and business advisors and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and maybe even give us five stars on itunes if you'd be so kind Leave us a review. It helps us find other listeners and helps other listeners find us. Anyways, uh, if you want to follow my stories, you can go to BIV.com or else follow me on Twitter. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. Until next time.